I'm sure you've heard about the dark web, but do you know really what it is? It's a place on the internet where criminals sell illegal drugs, they launder money, and they commit other crimes, often with little or no repercussions. It's a place where hackers buy your stolen credit card credentials, your account numbers, your passwords, your IDs. There are black markets on the dark web. This is from Wikipedia. Selling or brokering transactions involving drugs, cyber arms, weapons, counterfeit currency, forged documents, unlicensed pharmaceuticals, steroids, and other illicit goods. You can't find the dark web using a basic Google search. You have to use special tools like Tor, and you need to know exactly what you're doing. I don't recommend going to the dark web. It's an easy way to get your system hacked and see things that, well, you just can't unsee. And whenever there's a data breach, that data comes up for sale on the dark web. Like, here are some recent cases. Estee Lauder, 440 million internet records were reportedly exposed due to some security failures. Yeah, that was this year. Also this year, Marriott. The hotel chain suffered a cyber attack in which email accounts were infiltrated. 5.2 million hotel guests were impacted. Whisper, yeah, the anonymous secret sharing app, exposed millions of users' private profiles and data sets online. So much for being anonymous. Nintendo, 160,000 users. Email it, 600,000 users. Just the other day, a devastating cyber attack targeting major branches of the U.S. government and federal computer systems was attacked. And recently, there was a devastating cyber attack targeting major branches of the U.S. government and federal computer systems. The attackers, they say, are likely tied to the Russian government. So what does this mean to you? Yeah, your personal data is now at risk. The attackers exploited a vulnerability in software from SolarWinds. It was called FireEye. And they breached the Commerce Department, the Treasury Department, and likely many others. They say possibly the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI. They were looking for intel about how the U.S. would actually plan a cyber attack. So basically, the hackers hacked are hacking methods and plans. And yeah, you probably got hacked too. If you used a government website, such as the IRS, the SBA, Social Security, you have to change your password immediately. And you want to watch out for phishing scams and phone scams and bogus texts. And of course, verify any message you get with an actual phone call before doing anything, before acting. And the records from the cyber attack will end up on the dark web for sale, no doubt. But let's play a guessing game. How much do you think a stolen online bank account sells for on the dark web? What about a stolen credit card, a phony driver's license, or even a forged passport? By privacy affairs estimates, a full digital footprint of one person costs about $1,300 on average. That's less than $2,000 for your bank account, your social media, your PayPal, and everything else in between. In this podcast, we're going to go deep into the dark web and find out what's for sale now. What are these cyber criminals doing with one of the nation's top cybersecurity experts, Itai Mayer? You don't want to miss this. It's fascinating knowing how all this works. And once you do, you'll be equipped with all the intel that you need to make sure that you're not their next victim. So stay right where you are. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. 
Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Itai, thank you so much for being here. We start talking about the scams of 2020. Which one just surprised you the most? Um, well, with surprise, I think one of the uh, attacks that I, I was surprised to see more of uh, was attacks around the COVID-19, uh, specifically ones against the hospitals. Uh, there was some sort of understanding that there are red lines that even criminals don't cross, especially at a time of crisis, and seeing them go after both hospitals and patients at a time like this um, could have been expected, but I was surprised at the magnitude, to be honest. Well, I thought in the beginning, when the pandemic first hit, that the hackers and the scammers, they, they kind of called a moratorium, didn't they? And say, you know what, we're going to give everybody a free pass for a while? Yeah, uh, especially uh, the ransomware groups, they specifically posted about this and said that they're not going to do this. And it, that thing didn't last for, I think, 24 hours. And We've seen everything from attacks against organizations to the vaccine manufacturers, but even down to the to the actual patients and patient data, where they were going after the patients themselves, like the attack that happened in Finland for the uh, um, uh, psych- psychiatric healthcare provider, uh, but also here in the U.S., uh, attacks against hospitals at a time of a crisis like this. Um, it's a new a new border that I didn't think they would cross. Well, the attack with the patients in Finland. That's just horrible. Walk us through a little bit about that one. So the attack in Finland, what happened was the uh, attackers there um, got access. Apparently they had access uh, uh, already about a year or two ago, and that wasn't reported. Uh, but they were able to access um, a healthcare care provider um, that helps uh, mental patients. And um, what was really different about this attack is usually when the attackers go after a healthcare provider, be it a hospital or an insurance or, or whoever deals with healthcare data, they go after the organization. So they ransom the data and ask for money. Here, instead, what they did is they collected information about the patients and then reached out to the patients over email saying, hey, we have your psychological records, uh, pay us $500 or we're posting it on the internet. And for somebody who's already under stress and, and some of them don't feel good about going to a psychiatrist or, or a psychologist, adding this type of pressure is, is unheard of. That's just horrible. And just because it happened in Finland, I don't want anybody to think, well, of course, you know, that's Finland. It can't happen in the United States because it can happen in the United States. Yeah, I don't think anybody can really. Uh, most of the security personnel and teams that I talked to today, uh, even within very uh, uh, advanced organizations, nothing is off the table at this point. I don't think a lot of people realize how easily they can have their data sold on the dark web. Let's backtrack just a little bit. Because, you know, so many people, they hear about the dark web and they've never seen it. They've never been there, which if you don't know what you're doing, you should not go there. It's not terribly difficult to tap into the dark web. But the times that I have seen it and I never use a computer that I'm going to be on ever again, okay, um, is that it looks like an Amazon, but they're selling databases of passwords and credit card numbers. Explain it for our listeners. Sure. So to kind of understand, first to give the scope, when you look at uh, the internet today, we tend to look at it at three different layers, so to speak. 
There's the clear web, the deep web, and the dark web, right? The, the clear web is anything you can find on Google, Bing, whatever your search engine is. Uh, the deep web are areas of the internet that uh, are not indexed, meaning they're behind a username and password. For example, you can find uh, Bank of America, but you can't find uh, my account in Bank of America because that's behind a username and password. And the third layer is the dark web, which means that you need to use special software uh, in order to connect to this specific network. And this it has a, a specific software. There are specific URLs you need to know where to go to. Uh, they're not easy to guess. In many cases, you have to know where you're going. Uh, but as you mentioned, it's not that difficult to, to uh, download the extensions, the browsers, in order to connect to the dark web these days. You can find a lot of examples on YouTube on how to do this, but you really need to be aware of where you're going because the dark web has been used uh, by a lot of cyber criminals for uh, buying and selling of, of goods and services. And uh, also, of course, it's monitored by law enforcement, heavily uh, monitored by law enforcement wherever they can monitor it. And what happens is uh, there was this saying I heard in one of the movies, if you give someone a mask, they'll show you their true face. So this, the dark web gives a lot of people the mask to hide, be to hide behind, and they buy and just sell a lot of different things there. And I think one of the things that people tend to miss about the dark web because the dark web because it's so mystified because of the name is the fact that that is what actually that alongside with bitcoins and cryptocurrency is what boomed the economy for cyber criminals because they have a now an anonymous way to communicate an anonymous way to do transactions and so it's kind of like a celestial alignment for them and that's why there was the big boom in cybercrime because they can operate with relative safety. So give us some examples of what you might see for sale on the dark web. Like how much is a database, say, I don't know, a thousand names and social security numbers? And what I always find fascinating is that also on the dark web is that you can actually buy these how-to kits. So if you wanted to, I don't know, suddenly get into ransomware, if you had five or eight hundred dollars that you could do that. Right. So the, the dark web actually started the biggest the biggest uh, boom for it in the beginning was actually with drugs, with illegal drugs on uh, websites like Silk Road, uh, which was managed by an, uh, a person here in the U.S. Uh, but later it quickly moved to also uh, cybercrime. So you can find anything, as you mentioned, from credentials like databases or individual accounts. You can buy complete databases from banks. So thousands of lines of uh, username, account numbers, passwords, uh, um, addresses, and everything that the bank has uh, usually starts for a couple thousand dollars for the complete database. There are other shops, uh, like you mentioned, they look like they look like Amazon. You, you go in and you say you look for specific bank accounts in specific banks or cities, and you just add them to your cart, like a shopping. You have a shopping cart, and you add them in, and these cost between ten to a hundred dollars, depending on how much balance is within the account. But it doesn't end with financial information. You can find healthcare data. You can find exploits to software. And then you move to some, some of the more interesting stuff, I think, is if not even the, the products, it's the services. So you can hire people that will help you. They'll set up a, a phishing page for you, or there's ransomware as a service. Um, so it's not only goods, it's also services. And that's why I think it really lowered the bar for anybody who's trying to become a criminal, even if you're not super technical, like you had to, you had to about 20 years ago to be super technical to do these. Today, you just go on the dark web and you can buy all the different components and have an attack up and running. And some of these components astound me. 
that, for example, if you send somebody a ransomware node or extortion or whatever be a webcam thing, is that um, that you can actually provide 1-800 numbers for tech support and say, so if you're not really sure how to do Bitcoin, call this number. Yeah. I mean, they've really taken this whole ransomware to a whole new level. I mean, it suddenly is now, it looks like it's it's just keeps exploding. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so yeah, there's actually two elements here of the service that are interesting. Number one is uh, you can buy different services, criminal services, and they offer support for the buyer. So they'll say, okay, you can buy this, for example, hosting facility to host your web, your criminal website. We offer, you know, silver, gold, platinum support levels and SLA, service level agreements. How fast will help you if you have a problem or a direct connection to our, our, our IT staff to help you? The other element is what you mentioned around the ransomware groups that set up uh, their own support uh, services. And what happened is when they started doing these ransomware attacks against uh, uh, individuals about five, six years ago, they encrypted people's computer and then they realized that those people who were attacked don't necessarily know how to pay them. And so they set up these support centers saying, okay, let, let us give you a step-by-step -step guide here or a person who will guide you how to buy Bitcoins and send them over to us. And the last evolution of that that I've seen now is these support centers that are used as negotiation uh, platforms for large organizations. I've seen different communications on these channels where somebody got infected with a ransomware in an organization, they reached out to the support and said, yeah, we need our files to be decrypted. And the support said, no problem. It's going to be $10 million. And they start a, a conversation around that and a negotiation around uh, how much they would pay and when and end up paying a certain amount and, and getting their files decrypted. It's just amazing to me that we have all this information, all this data about the dark web. But for some reason, we just can't quite shut it down. Why is that? Well, stay right where you are, because when we come back with Tech You Should Know, we're going to talk about why we can't shut them down and also the big scams of 2020 and the ones that we need to look out for in 2021. So stay right where you are. Welcome to Tech You Should Know. We're talking to Itai Morero. And Itai is a big friend of the Kim Commando Show, the national radio show, and also here on the podcast. He just knows everything about cybersecurity. And we've been talking about the dark web, Itai. My question is, and people have always asked me this, and I don't really have a great answer for it. How come we can't shut the dark web down? Is it because it's so decentralized? So several reasons why we can't and maybe even don't want to do that. Um, number one is when we say the dark web, uh, it's not just Tor. Everybody talks about Tor, the onion route, but there are other dark webs. Uh, there's I2P, the Internet Invisible Protocol. There's Freenet. There's, so there's several other dark webs. Um, and yes, they are decentralized. Some of these servers uh, and, and some of their uh, routing points are on legitimate computers. And by the way, the dark web does have some legitimate use, uh, usages. Actually, Tor that everybody knows uh, from the, about the dark web was something that was developing the US military. And they do have some legitimate usages for anonymity. Uh, but of course, the majority of the communication we see there today is criminal related. So we can't shut it down because it is decentralized. And then there's the question is of, do we wanna shut it down? Because today, a lot of uh, uh, um, security agencies and a lot of companies that collect information, uh, intelligence information, know how to monitor certain areas. And this is a classic intelligence question, just like in the military. 
you have a good source, do you shut it down or do you continue monitoring it uh, and make sure that you are in, in the know on what criminals are doing? Because we have seen this evolution. We used to have these forums on the clear web. We shut them down. They went to the deep web, made it a lot harder. We started taking down deep web, uh, sorry, dark web websites. And then they went now onto uh, things like Telegram and WhatsApp and groups of P2P communications, which are even harder to get into. So do we want to encourage the next evolution or do we want to monitor what we know? All right. So the big scams of 2020. Uh, we already talked about ransomware at the hospitals and that crazy case in Finland. Uh, what were some other big things that you saw? So in connection to COVID, what we've seen, we've seen the uh, uh, pandemic unemployment assistance scams, uh, kind of a classic approach, uh, a new approach to a classic type of attack where they try to scam people out of uh, money that's supposed to be given to them. What was interesting is the criminals that were discussing this said that the government officials that are trying to help citizens get money because of the current situation are under so much pressure that it's really easy to scam actually the government and create a persona and get the money because they don't do all the checks and they really are uh, burdened with doing it really fast and over the internet. So the criminals understood that, that the government has a, a lot of requests for, for money. It's really hard to validate each and every request. And on top of it, you can't meet face to face. It's all done over the phone or the internet. And the criminals started discussing this and saying, hey, this is a place that we can target. Um, on top of that, you had the classic attacks, right? The phishing attacks, all kinds of these tech support scams, the uh, computer update scams uh, that have been around for, for a while. And not really in the world of scams, but in the world of, but something that we see more of, there's been a lot of discussion about it as well, some really good um, um, documentaries of the, whole, of the whole area of disinformation and misinformation. Well, before we get to that, that I do want to talk about that. Let's, let's just stick on the scams for just a second, Itai. Because I had this guy call the show, and he got a phone call from Apple Computer. Okay, well, that should have been his first red flag, right? And they explained to him that as they were going through their security checks and his iCloud account is that they found some child pornography in his iCloud account. And they needed to have access to his computer because they're trying to figure out where this kitty porn came from. Okay, horrific crime, no doubt. So this guy's like, oh, man, I don't know what's going on. And so he gives them access to his computer. Uh, they go, he gives them all the credentials to his iCloud account. And then the people from Apple convince him that, you know, in order to clean out the account, that they need to have $1,000. Okay. Again, another red flag. And also because they needed to be paid in Apple gift cards. Okay. So... This goes on, and they start cleaning out his computer, quote-unquote, they say. They're cleaning out his iCloud account. Uh, at some point, they have access to his banking information. All totaled, this guy lost $90,000. Okay. $90,000. So for people who are wondering, like, why there are so many scams, this is just one person. One person for 90 grand. And so these scams are getting more nefarious, meaning that for for this guy was frightened that somebody had child put, put child pornography in his iCloud account. And he kept paying him and paying him until he thought that it was done. And actually, and it was more than $90,000 because they had access to his wife's bank account. His wife came to him and said, why did you just withdraw $10,000? 
So he's well over $100,000. And then we also have the webcam scams where, you know, they send, they send you an email. They say have a picture of you doing something on your webcam, and they're going to spread it out to everybody else. What are some other examples that you've seen? Yeah, so there was there were uh, several examples of uh, the kind you just mentioned. There were uh, the ones that with the emails that said, "We know you went into a different um, just a- adult websites. We we saw you when you on your camera when you did that. Uh, we have those. We need money." And as you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of red flags. Uh, you know, you can't really judge people. It's hard to judge people who are under this pressure or not familiar with these types of scams. But there are a lot of red flags. A lot of these cases. Um, can be almost neutralized initially just by calling whoever whoever claims to be calling you and asking for, you know, hey, I just got a call. Was it really you, uh, Apple? Was it really you, Microsoft? These companies don't tend to just call up people at all, not them, not law enforcement, and not even your, your, your bank that often to, to do, you know, any, any technical type of support. Um, and it's it's unfortunate, but that's that's what criminals are doing. You know, the the weakest element or the easiest to hit element is the human, unfortunately, because attacking technology is hard. But social engineering somebody to do something, putting them under immense amount of pressure, under sometimes even claims of, of uh, illegal activity, unfortunately, that's pretty easy for the attackers, and we see a lot of that. So where where do you think most of the attackers are located? A lot of them are not in the U.S. Uh, sometimes they will have some foot soldiers in the U.S., but the brains, uh, they are not here. Uh, because if they do get identified and, uh, and, and you know, law enforcement goes after that, you don't want to be in a country that will uh, move you to the U.S. or that will, um, uh, that will, you know, either put you in prison or give you to the U.S. So a lot of them are in use. Eastern Europe. We've seen uh, some of these farms of, of criminals in, in uh, um, Africa. Um, every country has its own kind of like area that is known to have uh, cyber criminal activity in South America. There's a lot, a lot happening in Brazil. There are gangs in uh, uh, Vietnam. Um, and that's just, you know, the cyber crime ones, not the nation's. Yeah, because it always seems like, you know, well, why can't we find them? Why can't we why can't we just figure out where they're located and cut their lines? But there are just so many entry points and there are so many people located around the world. I mean, the Internet is a great equalizer on so many different levels, but it also gives complete and total access to criminals no matter where they're located. So that's why you really always need to have your guard up. And as Itai so astutely stated, you know, pick up the phone. We're so inclined to just reply to an email or to take something on the Internet at face value. Even if you get a text on your phone, you need to always be cautious and to question that. And if you have older family members, you want to give them this intel as well. You want to talk to them about it. If you, you know, if you ever get a call, if you ever get an email, if you ever get a text, you know, before you do anything with it, why don't you just go ahead and show it to me? That's the conversation that I had with my mother. And let me tell you, I prevented her from falling for a lot of scams. Okay, stay right where you are, because coming right up, we're going to talk about the scams of 2021. What do we have to look forward to? Yeah, I say that with tongue in cheek, of course. So stay right where you are. Hey, welcome back to Tech You Should Know. We're talking to Itai Mora. He's a big friend of the Kim Commando radio show and also here on the podcast, and he's a big wig in the Intel security industry. So, Itai, 2021, here we come. 
What do we have to look forward to? So I think one of the main things <clears throat> we need to look into, um, and it also connects with what you mentioned about helping and, and stopping some of these threats, is realize that a lot of us are now working from home, remote work, and we need to pay attention to uh, our environment and, and our family. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, you know, we're working, we're, we're bringing our, our, our work computer into the network, we're connecting a lot of devices I, I think something we really need to pay attention to is how do we secure these devices properly? And and I, when I say secure these devices, I'm not talking about you have to have a master's in, in cybersecurity to do these basic stuff uh, that we can do to avoid different types of attacks against these devices, because these devices are being uh, targeted uh, uh, by attackers. And also protect, uh, you know, um, our family and not just, you know, our parents that may not be, uh, you know, familiar with these types of attacks. We also have kids who fall for different scams on, uh, on different games, and they are connecting with their devices to the same network uh, that we are on. So I think it's something that that is worthwhile looking into, doing the very basic stuff to help us, uh, you know, avoid some of these uh, attacks. Um, some of the things that I think we're going to see more of in 20, 2021, uh, criminals are going to start using, I think, a little bit more of not necessarily AI, but um, there have been a lot of conversations around uh, deep, face, deep fakes and face swapping and, and puppet master and all kinds of capabilities to create false faces, false identities. I think that's something we will. But you know what? And I think deep, I deep, I really believe that deep fake not only pictures but also voices. It's going to be uh, really exploding in 2021. And for those of you that aren't accustomed to, you haven't heard what a deep fake is. Basically, using AI, and I guess you'd say like a version of Photoshop and Premiere on steroids, is that you can make anybody say anything, and you can you can do that with their images on video but also with their voice you know it always reminds me Itai, of that story that i think it was somewhere in czechoslovakia where a guy got a phone call from his boss and the boss says oh you know we need to transfer uh you know a hundred thousand dollars to our vendor immediately and i need you to do that now and the guy's like well this is the boss this is his voice i better go ahead and do it well as you can tell i'm telling the story is that it wasn't true it wasn't the boss and after the guy transferred a quarter of a million dollars to a vendor that went to someplace in China and then bounced someplace else around the world is that they were out a quarter of a million dollars and it was a total fake voice. So so in next year, we really need to be careful of deep fake videos and deep fake voices because from what I understand, Itai, and the research that I've done, when you look at a deep fake video, there really isn't a telltale sign that it is a deep fake, is it? No, it's extremely hard to identify these, even using some advanced technology. And I've talked to some companies that are trying to do this technology-wise. It's extremely hard. And and when you connect that with the fact that it can be used to synthesize voice, uh, to s- synthesize pictures, and these things are used for identification, they can also unfortunately be used for uh, some of the attacks we mentioned for extortion. So, uh, you know, hey, we have you on video doing this or that, or, you know, Stuff like that is, is I fear, is where it's going. The, the the other side of the deep fake and the use of artificial intelligence is you now have software that's capable of creating pictures. I don't know if you've seen this game. Like uh, uh, if you go on Google and, and search, this person does not exist. There's a website that will create a picture of a person who doesn't exist. And you cannot tell that this is not a real person. And using that to create fake personas and create synthetic IDs I think that's something that criminals are going to start using not too far in the future. 
You know, that would be interesting to see if we if it's taken to the next level with romance scams. I can't tell you how many times I get a call from a guy, and it's normally a man, who says that some hot model in Turkey has the hots for him, you know. And and he's sitting in a trailer in Fresno, Arizona, you know, Fresno, California. It's like, I gotta tell you, I'm sorry, dude, it's probably all fake. But now they can totally manipulate somebody's emotions. And once they get their emotions, then the money will flow by using this deep fake technology. Yeah. And I mean, when you really put now, not only the, there's simple software that can do this, even stuff you can download to your phone to do face swap that, that looks pretty convincing. But now when you're talking about uh, what I think is another thing that I wanted to discuss regarding 2021, if you have more budgets around these and nation state attacks, uh, it becomes even uh, more nefarious because what we're going to probably see more of in 2021, not that we haven't seen this so far, is um, attacks uh, by nation states against private organizations, not necessarily just against nation states. So we already know right now, for example, that different nation state actors are looking to attack and collect information about uh, the vaccine that's being manufactured. But um, more and more events that are political in nature will affect us, uh, uh, you know, individuals. For uh, And I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, there was recently an event in the Middle East in, in Iran, an assassination. Uh, the Iranians are, are, are saying that Israel is behind it. Right now, there is an Israeli insurance company. All the details about people who got insured is, are now spilled online, supposedly by Iranian attackers. And so what you see is you see a military or political situation turn to something that, hey, me at home, now my information is exposed because of that event. And, and you know, we used to talk about how Oh, uh, I don't know. Does does um, does a, a kinetic um, um, a cyber attack mean that we have to do a kinetic attack against a, comp- a, a country? Now, all of a sudden, a kinetic attack, a physical attack, results in a cyber attack. And like you said, the internet levels the playing field. So now, citizens, just people uh, at home, are they are in the front line, and they're actually an easier target than the military uh, complex. And so we'll probably see more of these attacks as well. So, so do you think there's the potential of a cyber attack that would take out the power grid? Uh, I mean, attacks against critical infrastructure have already happened. Uh, we've already seen this happen in the Ukraine a couple of years ago. Um, is it possible? Uh, theoretically, yes, uh, that, that is possible. But I think something like uh, taking down the power grid, because there are so many things that um, this this affects um, to me. That's all almost like a, 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 a you know a physical attack, like saying we're going into war. Because if you take down electricity, if it's something major, it affects hospitals, it affects people at home, it affects manufacturing, it affects so many elements that when it goes to critical infrastructure, yeah, I mean we've seen even more secure systems than that being uh, uh, targeted, but. I think nation states will do something like this. They know they're crossing a certain line if they do that. See, I always find it interesting that when we talk about like a massive cyber attack, that there are people who say, yeah, you know, we have to be careful for that. And then there are other people who say, no, you know, uh, because everything's so distributed, there's no way that it could affect me. But let's go back to our own government. For many, many years, our government has had a website called ready.gov. Okay. If you go to ready.gov and they tell you, 
basically to have three months of your medicines and or at least a couple of weeks of vital medicines and maybe some cash on hand and food and yes even toilet paper and I'm the person that's always like the glass has always been half full I mean everything's always going to be like rainbows ponies and flowers but when it comes to a cyber attack I really believe that you know you have to have some necessities in your home just in case something were to happen whether it's by accident or whether it's by intent is that we are so dependent upon technology and the internet right now is that you just have to have a little bit of forethought i think and you know what maybe maybe in in that sense it's just a little bit of a silver lining that the situation we're facing now actually forced us to be a little bit more prepared um and and I think people do have a little bit more things in their houses just in case they need to stay for a longer period. Um, and and you, you're right. We are, we, we're not even aware of how dependent we are on all of this. I mean, personally, I don't remember the last time I even touched money because I don't even, I don't use cash anymore. I just use my phone. I don't even use a card. I use my phone, right? Um, I, and it's fabulous. I love it. I mean, that you don't need to, you can just go swipe your phone, tap your phone on a checkout. And then, I, I mean, I don't, I, somebody gave me a check the other day and I was like, um, I guess I need to deposit this and I can do it through the banking app. I know, but why don't you just like Apple pay me or Venmo or whatever it is? It's, exactly. it's very interesting that we live and, in these times. We're, we're moving this like, so it used to be cash. Right, and then it and then it became cards, and then it became a phone. Now I'm doing it with my with my Fitbit. <laughs> I use that to pay, and we know the next step is going to be something in our body, in our hand, like a, a, that we're going to be able to use that. It keeps getting more convenient, but we keep being more and more dependent on it. So yeah, definitely something to pay attention to. So Itai, we're running out of time. Any final words about what's to come in 21? For 2021, we're probably going to see some of the same attacks that we've seen in 2020. And I think there's, I would like to give some ideas of how to really try and avoid some of these and prevent some of these uh, attacks. When you have a system at home, regardless of what it is, your computer, your mobile device, your your router, your, your, your printer, which is on Wi-Fi, your webcam, do the basic security checks on them. Change default passwords. Don't leave them at admin, admin, or one, two, three, four. And and choose just a little bit more complex passwords. If you have a hard time remembering all your passwords, there's a password wallet that keeps these things uh, secure. Um, patch your systems. Make sure that you have the latest software updates, the latest security updates. Don't don't ignore those little pop-ups on the bottom right of your corner uh, because those are critical. That's, that's what attackers use. They use uh, known vulnerabilities. They try not to invent the wheel every time and, and use stuff that is already out there. So make sure that you patch your systems. And I think one of the more important things uh, connected to uh, the story that you mentioned here before, Kim, as well, is Always be vigilant. Be aware that these attacks are out there. Nobody's trying to give you millions of dollars, uh, uh, you know, from uh, Nigeria. Nobody uh, is is trying to help you with a security issue you might have on your iCloud. And so it's always good to question. Uh, you know, in the military, my sergeant told me, when there is a doubt, there's no doubt. So even if you have a little bit of doubt, it's too good to be true or sounds just a little bit uh, 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 too good, then it probably is. I like that saying. What was that saying? Anytime it was it when? What did the? What did your military guys say? So if there is a doubt, there's no doubt. So if you have even a little bit of, then then no questions asked. Then don't do it. 
I love that. That's fabulous. That's that should be like the motto for twenty one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Itai, thank you so much for joining us. We always appreciate your insights. And if somebody wants to learn more about your company, how can they do that? So uh, you can always go to insights.com and we have a blog there. We try to report on on some of these uh, latest attacks and uh, really happy to be here, Kim. Thank you for having me. I think it's really important that people uh, are aware of these types of of threats and that we all do a better job of protecting ourselves and our families against uh, cyber threats. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tech You Should Know podcast with Kim Commando. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe so you get these automatically downloaded to your device every single week. And if you haven't checked out GetKim.com, it's your chance to go behind the scenes and watch us record the show on Fridays. You can join us in the chat rooms. Come behind the scenes and watch as we chat about what's going on at Commando.com. And you can download the podcast and listen on your schedule with limited commercial interruptions again that's at getkim.com right now you get a free 30-day trial then it's just a few bucks a month after that thank you again for listening to tech you should know and we'll see you next time